Siyah Tavuks Welcome to the Dior Talks podcast series themed around the 7th edition of Dior Lady Art and hosted by Paris-based journalist Katia Foreman. For this year's event, 11 artists from around the world have participated in a game of metamorphosis by rendering the iconic Lady Dior handbag as a unique piece of art. Joining us today from his home in Long Beach, California, is Alex Gardner, our latest guest on the Dior Talk series themed around the seventh edition of Dior Lady Art. The rising artist who attended a state school and started out painting in his bedroom in his early 20s shares color on his inspirations and personal achievements as an artist who, with a mix of steely drive and visionary ability, has managed to cut through the noise as one of the most promising talents of his generation. So Alex, this is really just to get to know you better and discover your universe. Where are you calling in from today? I'm calling in from Long Beach, California today. I've been living here for quite a while. I went to school here, college, uni, as the Euros call it. And are you at home or are you calling from your studio? I'm in my studio right now. Right. And what can you see around you just so we can picture what you're surrounded by? Um, well, right now I'm in uh, kind of the little the recording wing of the studio. I'm upstairs in the loft. You know, my wife and I embarrassingly started a podcast a while back, so we have all this equipment, which is coming in handy right now. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So you're a total pro at this. Uh, yeah, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> so just, yeah, tell us a bit about your background and uh, where you studied, because I believe you went to a state school, but at first you applied to study film. Is that correct? Yeah, I grew up pretty... I don't know, blue collar or whatever, for lack of a better, better word. Um, my mom's an immigrant. My dad didn't have much either. And so it never really felt like an option to pursue a frivolous creative career. But at the same time, I never thought I would uh, be able to tolerate a regular job. I'm an only child, so I spent a lot of time just watching movies alone, drawing, basically just you know things one can do by themselves. And so... Drawing was one of them. Watching movies was one of them. And I was really drawn to uh, that medium. And so I thought maybe I can pursue being a director or something. <laughs> mm, but you ended up studying illustration. Yeah. So while I was in school, I was fortunate enough to be put in touch with a art director for commercials and television. And so I worked a lot of uh, my winter vacations and summer vacations on set. You know, they weren't movies, so I guess uh, it wasn't the best experience and the best introduction to the world. And so with television and commercials and music videos, uh, the people in that industry are a bit more jaded. I think it's less creative and um, it really just kind of turned me off to that idea. And so having already been at this school, I had to pivot to something where I can, you know, finish the degree, something I really like. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned your parents earlier. I believe your mother's Japanese, is that right? Yeah. Are your parents artistic at all or like, do you have artistic genes in any way? I guess so. I mean, uh, so my mom's uncle is a photographer. My dad, you know, was a musician, still plays guitar. Obviously, that's not how he earns a living or whatever. But yeah, very much, uh, 
I guess, you know, alternative lifestyles. A pretty creative family. Okay. Did you have a kind of any like aha moment when you realized that you wanted to become an artist? Well, I think there were various times in my life where I thought this is something that I was really interested in and I wanted to do. You know, as a kid, you go to your first museum exhibition or something and say, oh, I want to be an artist. And then obviously, you know, different things happen in life and you realize you have to figure out a way to make money in life. But as an adult, I was always just kind of practicing. I was uh, painting in my you know, bedroom in my mom's house in my early 20s and always trying to get better at it and use that as a form of uh, identity or just a, a way to just enjoy life or whatever. And I was working for this production company and uh, making you know, decent money. And I was freelance. I would be you know, two weeks on, one week off or something like that. And in between jobs, I was trying to finish paintings and Basically, I was coming to a point in my life, in my late 20s, and uh, I was starting to feel more confident with the work I was producing and also growing increasingly unhappy with the, the line of work I was in and starting to feel like time was running out and, and that I wasn't fully focused on either the career in production, television, movies or whatever, and also was you know halfway in in art. And so you know, I saved a good amount of money and I figured I can kind of just quit my job and go for it. That's so impressive. So for people listening who might not be familiar with your work, can you describe your universe? So my universe is, you know, it's basically just kind of the world through my eyes, how I see it, my point of view, my opinions. And the way it's depicted visually, I I think it's a very stylized figurative work, but the universe is kind of this OCD sterile environment where I'm trying to bring some whimsy and optimism to a otherwise very gloomy, especially like, you know, contemporary life is growing increasingly gloomy and pessimistic. And I've always been kind of a, a pessimistic person because of my experiences I had as a kid. But as I get older, you know, in art making in general, I think is a very optimistic act. Just producing is very optimistic uh, because you're, whether it be delusional, believing that there's purpose and there will be a positive outcome based on this. And otherwise, you just wouldn't do anything, I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. When it comes to inspirations, you know, there's everyday interactions, but what else might inspire you? Even could it be social media or we talked about your mixed heritage background i don't know if uh, japan has influenced your work at all but what, what would you say are some of the key places that you tend to get inspiration yeah i think that goes without saying my history has uh just an inherent influence on my work i remember hearing musicians talk about their first album being kind of the easiest because they had their whole life to draw from and then the second one gets harder and harder you have to find new ways and new things to talk about. And so I guess books, you know, different writers, I still draw a lot of inspiration from films, basically just other creatives that are really good at reflecting and uh, showing what it feels like to just be a human alive at any given time. And hearing all the challenges you've faced and everything you've achieved in such a short space of time, what was it like getting in the call to collaborate with Dior? I mean, it was pretty unbelievable at first. 
And I think initially I had this, it was at a pretty busy time. Um, I had a couple of shows coming up and I was kind of in self-sabotage mode and I almost felt like I couldn't take it on and, or I shouldn't take it on. But yeah, obviously it was very exciting. What does your mean to you? Are you into fashion at all? Yeah, a personal sense of style was always something very important growing up. And one of the worst insults you can get was being called like a, you know, a biter or something like. What does that mean? What is a biter? A biter is like a, <laughs> someone who's like biting other people's style, kind of like a copycat. Ah, I like it. I'm going to start using that. Yeah, it's an old school. Maybe it's like a 90s term or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's such a biter. Oh, God, I'm so out of it. Yeah. So what's your view on the art-fashion relationship? I don't know if you've been following any of the other collaborations that Jules has been doing, but what do you think that art can bring to fashion? Well, there seems to be an increased amount of collaborations happening in the last five years or so. Mm, with Maria Grazia and Kim Jones. Like, I don't know if you saw the Daniel Arsham collaboration or Amarika Burfo. Yeah, Daniel Arsham, Kenny Scharf recently. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, I think it's, I think there's a lot of overlap, you know, everyone loves the fashion world, you know, it, it feels very, uh, I don't know, cool and elite and prestigious and fancy, you know, that's always how I kind of saw it. I've talked to different directors of brands and I think they also have, there's kind of this grass is greener on the other side kind of thing and I think uh, fashion directors want to be artists and artists want to be, I don't know, fashion people, you know. It's a good way of putting it, Absolutely. And so like, you know, this specifically is you being invited to apply your world to a handbag and the Lady Dior, which is one of Dior's most recognizable emblems. And it's a bag that rose to fame on the arm of Lady Diana. So what was that like for you? Did you approach it as a kind of canvas or? You know, I, I honestly didn't know how to approach it at first. Obviously, I knew the whole uh, Princess Diana connection, but I had to really think about how I was going to approach it. And before being offered this uh, opportunity, I was thinking about making more functional objects. So it was kind of actually perfect timing to face this challenge of making this very cool art object, but also maintaining a lot of functionality. Because at the end of the day, I, I do want people to be able to use it as a bag. So that push and pull. Mm -hmm. And can you present your bags? What do they look like? So, you know, I, I maintain the silhouette and the form as much as possible and played with the materials. And so it involves mainly leather and some black velvet. So the inside is lined with this cadmium red and the outside has this molded kind of holographic leather. It's kind of has this uh, trompe l'oeil effect of, of fabric that's present in the figures or in the paintings rather. And the black velvet is kind of the um, anatomy portion. And so there's this uh, extremely matte, soft texture along with this very shiny holographic molded leather. Okay, a kind of porcelain effect, can we even say? Because I've heard of that being one of the references of things we see in your work a lot is this porcelain effect. But I believe the work on the bag is based on a piece of yours titled malleability is that correct is this hand pressing down on an ambiguous part of another figure yeah and so tell me a bit more about that I don't know if you want to comment on any symbolism or messages that that we can read in this piece I think this is maybe 
a more straightforward painting or a piece of work where just kind of the how susceptible people are to influence and you know just external pressures and people whether it be just as simple as human development you know as a child obviously you know your environment and your parents and how you're brought up uh, the people the neighborhood you grew up in and is very formative and then even as adults I think people are just generally want to be part of a group and a community and want to be accepted always so they're quick to uh just kind of trust people and believe people and listen to people and let them kind of guide how they think and behave in this context is it also um a comment on the influence of fashion 100 percent, yeah so you know fashion is is uh maybe an industry led by influencers seems kind of like a more contemporary term but i think even the designers they kind of led the way and directed fashion. And then, you know, now, even in the 90s, like Princess Diana, there's certain people that they will kind of become the face of the brand beyond the actual designer and kind of influence how people want to dress and identify themselves. And in terms of the process, when you're working on a painting, you're on your own and can be working on a piece for weeks at a time. How is this to have uh, the Dior team working with you and kind of bringing it to life? And how fluid was it? Uh, well, to be completely honest, it's difficult being on the other side of the world. And I, I wish I could have just spent like a month in Paris or something and just really focusing and working, going back and forth. But yeah, it felt pretty free because, you know, anything I wanted to do was, was basically possible. Right, exactly. And did the Dior team come to visit you in your studio at all with swatches? Or Definitely. Okay. So this is a question you get asked a lot, but who are these faceless characters? Here we can't see a face in this piece, but that's something that we tend to see in your works, these faceless characters or just parts of body. Um, and also this question you get asked a lot about why all your figures are black. Yeah, you know, I'm mixed race, so I... Uh, had a hard time picking a team or feeling a part of a community or a group or whatever. You know, nowadays it's all about identity and people want to talk about, you know, whatever their, their ethnicity or their sexuality. And they really focus on that, present themselves. But for me, because I grew up on the outside, and, but also very within these two groups, you know, my mom sent me back to Japan a lot. I grew up speaking Japanese, but every time I go to Japan, they treat me like a foreigner um, and then, you know, if I go to Chicago, where my dad's from, or just hang around black people, I, I still felt maybe a little bit disconnected in that group as well. And so I was always uh, interested in that idea. And in the art, wanted to focus on the similarities of people and how everyone, even though they feel different because of the different languages they speak or different communities they grew up in, everyone's kind of experiencing the same thing and, and kind of think the same way. And so the work, you know, is a big struggle when you're making figurative paintings because you have to kind of portray people. And so everything's very loaded and political, even as simple as what they're wearing or their age or their ethnicity and stuff. So I really wanted to make this very kind of generic avatar of a person that is, uh, you know, sans identity and kind of just trying to speak on humanity as a whole. This this kind of universal representation of the human experience. Right. And going back to getting this call from Dior, we've talked a bit about the challenges you faced as someone who didn't attend a major art school, which can help in terms of networking and connections. Apart from your talent, how have you managed to pierce through? I mean, is it, does this feel like a sign of recognition, the fact that you've gotten to where you've got? Have you been embraced by the art scene in LA? 
Yeah, it's um, every step. It's, you know, it's been, so I quit my job about a little over seven years ago now. And so it's just been kind of going up and up. And every year, I feel like I'm getting better with my work and getting more recognition and bigger opportunities. So it has been very reassuring and gratifying in, in that sense. And it has been an extreme learning process. Like you said, I didn't go to some of these schools where they teach you how to maneuver through the world, it seems like, or we have uh, access and interaction with some of these people that are curators or dealers, I think, show up to artist studios. Mm-hmm. The introductions. The introductions. Like if, if you go to Yale or something, they show up to your studio as a student. These 22-year-olds are getting like scouted and stuff. So I feel like I missed out on... I guess it's as simple as like time, like learning and stuff. So I had to kind of catch up and make mistakes and had to get taken advantage of a few times and learn. But I do like to talk to people and I think I'm pretty good at it. So it, it is a fun process to uh, schmooze a bit. And uh, the world is, you know, it's not just the art world, but the, the world does kind of just run on relationships. So the more you get out there and get to meet people and put yourself in those uh, situations and those places to have the opportunity to get an introduction and a conversation is key. Okay. And uh, what are some of your other career milestones so far? I read that uh, Reggie Watts bought one of your pieces. I'm sure there's lots of other very interesting personalities that have pieces on their walls and their homes. Well, so I recently, this year, actually had a, a solo show at the museum here in Long Beach, which is kind of a big deal for me because, you know, going to school here, that was the local museum and me living here. Um, having that kind of hometown presence, yeah. Yeah, because I was going to ask you um, if you have any artist dreams that you'd like to fulfill, and I was wondering if maybe that would be uh, being part of a museum collection. Yeah, there's various museums that I would like to be a part of their collection, definitely. Those are things that I still... Goals. But the main thing is just to be able to have a, a long career. Because it's one thing to, you know, get into it. It's another thing to maintain it you know and so if I can just maintain it for as long as I want that's like the dream and just to circle back to finish to your lady duo how do you feel about the finished piece I'm I'm pretty happy with it yeah you know everything kind of is a slow especially if it involves me and something I've made it's uh it takes time for it to grow on me all my works usually I hate in the beginning Uh, but this the bag is uh I think it's quite cool and I hope people get to use it, yeah. Who did you design your Lady Duo for? So what, is that, what does that question mean? Well, meaning like your wife, your mother? <laughs> did you have somebody in mind as you were designing this? Um, no, I don't think so. I, don't, I, I wasn't designing thinking like, oh, what would my wife like or something? No, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I was just kind of thinking. I'm just throwing it out yeah, there. Yeah, I know. I should maybe just lie. But, um, <laughs> you don't have to lie. <laughs> No, I mean, I was thinking about my past self, my, you know, my younger brother who's a fashion head and just um, really just kind of be grateful that, for the opportunity and, and that kind of like seize the moment. Thank you for listening. To hear more of our rich exchanges with guest artists from the seventh edition of Dior Lady Art, visit the Dior Talks podcast series available on all platforms. 